Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're so glad you have found your way to us and we hope that you'll feel free to share these reflections with those that you know and love. Let's take a moment now to prepare our hearts and minds to listen to God's Spirit. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture lesson today is a pretty long one. It comes from 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 40. Hear the word of God. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I, only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets number 450. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who, and the God who answers by fire is indeed God. All the people answered, well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. Then call on the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So they took the bull that was given them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no answer. They limped about the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, surely he is a god. Either he's meditating, or he has wandered away, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And then they cried aloud, and as was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out over them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no answer, and no response. Then Elijah said to all the people, come closer to me. And all the people came closer to him. And first he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to contain two measures of seed. And next he put the wood in order to cut the bull and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And again, he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So that the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench with water. At the time of the offering of the oblation, the prophet Elijah came near and said, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. 
When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. And then they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and killed them there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This story from 1 Kings is one of the great stories out of the life and prophetic ministry of one of Israel's great prophets, the prophet Elijah. It's a story we often turn to when we sense that the prevailing culture is leaning away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Jesus. It's a story that leaves little doubt who is this God in heaven, and whose God is in control, and whose God has the power. Elijah pulls together all the prophets of Baal, the popular Canaanite God, the God of fertility, the God to whom the agricultural community felt dependent upon for sun and rain, and suggests to them a contest to show which God is really in charge. And, and it's quite a contest, a, a bull sacrifice to each God by their respective priests and the, and the real God, the God who would rain fire upon the bull sacrifice. Elijah raises the stakes by flooding his sacrifice with water so as to make it even more difficult for his God to catch his sacrifice on fire. So in public view, the contest ensues and the prophets of Baal, as hard as they try, just cannot get their supposed God to send down fire. And then it's Elijah's turn and he calls on the God of Israel to send down fire. And sure enough, the fire comes, the fire of the Lord it's written, fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. No doubt is left in this story. Now, the whole story begins when Elijah says to the people, how long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word, it says. The people did not answer him a word. They just weren't sure. They, they wanted their Israelite God. Oh, but they also wanted the God that everybody else seemed to have. That's the age-old spiritual question. Can we have both the God of Israel and can we have the God that everybody else seems to have? Can we have our cake and eat it too, which Seems like a harmless request. Why can't, I, why can't I be both? Why can't I have both gods, the one that satisfies my desire and the one that's, that is the God of Israel? Why can't I indulge in my carnal desires and still, live, still give a little attention to the God of Israel? And we think we can, we can do this until we consider how preposterous this request really is. It's an oxymoron, really. Selfish selflessness. Hmm, not even God can pull that off. Selfish selflessness? Why not, why can't we have God and country? Why can't we have God and Madison Avenue? Why can't we have God and capitalism? Why can't we have God in my particular political party? Why can't we have God in a lifestyle that affords little for the offering plate? Why not? Why can't we have a God in my brand new luxury vehicle? Why, why can't I be selfishly selfless? And Elijah says, well, you can if you don't mind limping the rest of your life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship puts it this way, 
Through the call of God, men and women become individuals. Willy-nilly, they are compelled to decide, and that decision can only be made by themselves. It's no choice of their own that makes them individuals. It is Christ who makes them individuals by calling them. Every man or woman is called separately and must follow alone. But, he continues, human beings are frightened of solitude and try to protect themselves by, by merging themselves into their society of fellow human beings and in their material environment. They become suddenly aware of responsibilities and duties and are loath to part with them. But all this, Bonhoeffer concludes, all this is only a cloak to protect them from having to make a decision. They are unwilling to stand alone before Jesus and to be compelled to decide with their eyes fixed on him alone. It is Christ's will that he should be thus, they should be thus isolated and that they should fix their eyes solely upon him. You know, I've never understood Never understood it when people say that religion is for the weak or that religion is just a crutch. I can't imagine a harder thing for any person to do than to fix their eyes solely on Jesus, solely on God, solely on the one who commands us to love God and by loving God to have the strength to love our neighbor. One other thing I'd like to mention. Our story ends with this verse. Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. And then they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and killed them there. There was a time when I read verses like that in the Old Testament and just, you know, chalked it up to the God of the Old Testament, ordaining or blessing such behavior. But, you know, the longer I live and teach and preach, the more I believe that sometimes what the Bible says says more about the people writing it than the God that they are writing about. And I think Jesus, and the spirit who interprets Jesus, always gets the last word. And Jesus would never ordain or bless such a thing. Jesus has instituted a new covenant, a covenant of love and grace and forgiveness and not of vengeance. And the more we fix our eyes solely on Jesus, the more we readily will put away all those tools that hurt others, knives, guns, gossip, slander, anger, stubbornness, reluctance to forgive, indifference, anything else that might kill the body or the spirit. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we thank you that there are prophets in our life that would demand of us a choice to choose the God of Israel or to choose all the other gods that we're so tempted to follow. Help us to keep our eyes fixed solely on Jesus and to respond to his call, to follow him, to obey him, and to live the life he's called us to live, all for the sake of your Son, and all for the sake of the world. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.